Hey, today um, we are going to conclude our series, The Nine Habits of an Overcoming Follower of Christ. How many of you enjoyed the series? Can I see your hand? I hope it's beneficial for you. Uh, You know, one thing I think we forget is that when we pray the prayer of salvation, so many people think that is the the end, that is, that's, 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 the, that's the final part of this thing, and then we just wait to get to heaven, and that, that isn't it, guys. As a matter of fact, people who pray that prayer and don't do anything with it probably won't get to heaven. That is called a planned pause for effect. <laughs> Listen, um, When we pray that prayer, when we get on our knees and we bow our heart and we give our heart and our lives to Jesus, we're saying, Jesus, you're going to be my Lord for the rest of my life. And Jesus said there'll be a bunch of them that come and say, Lord, Lord, didn't I cast out demons in your name? Didn't I heal the sick? And he'll say this, depart from me, I didn't know you. Salvation doesn't come into our lives by simply praying a prayer. Salvation is a progressive thing that is part of our life. And that's why we've come, we've we've given you these nine habits of an overcoming follower of Christ. Because there are so many people in the body of Christ who live a defeated life. And God didn't didn't send Jesus on this earth so we could live a defeated life. John 10.10, Jesus said, I have come so that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Why does he want you and I to have an abundant life? So that we have some life to give others. So that we have some strength to give others. So that we have enough provision to satisfy the need of our family and to give to others. Jesus said, he said, the thief is the one who comes to steal and kill and destroy. But he said, I have come so you may have life. Through the cross, Jesus conquered the death itself. He conquered haze. He conquered Satan. In, in John chapter 16, verse 33, we're going to start there today. Jesus said, these things, talking to his disciples, these things I've spoken to you, that, you, that, that in me you may have peace. The church wants peace outside of Christ. The church wants joy outside of Christ. The, choice, the church wants power outside of Christ. And if you ever did a Google search, just scriptures in, in him, scriptures, who you are in Christ, you'll find all of the things that God promises the body of Christ are in Christ. That means that is that, that we keep that attitude of that prayer that he is our Lord. He is in us and we are in him and we're not stepping away. Okay. Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you that in me you, you may have peace. In the world... You're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus came and he overcame the curse that is in this earth. He overcame temptation. He even overcame Satan through his death, burial, and his resurrection. He overcame death and hates. Jesus is the ultimate overcomer. And we are to be like Christ. That's what Christian means. To be Christ-like. And we're to be like Christ. We are to be overcomers. Everybody say overcomer. 
we're going to have tribulations, but we overcome them. We're going to have temptations, but we overcome them. We're going to deal with attacks, but we will overcome them. How? In Him. Because He overcame. And He is the head of all things, the Word of God said. He's the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the perfecter of our faith. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. He's even the first one born from the dead, so we may be born from the dead. Jesus said, you be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. And see, if we're in him and we're practicing these habits, we are going to overcome the world too. Don't confuse that for not having a test or not having a trial, not having a tribulation. Don't confuse that for a life with no bumps in the road. You're going to have bumps in the road. You may even go into the ditch every now and then. But if you're in Christ, you're going to get out of that ditch and you're going to overcome. Somebody who doesn't overcome is usually depressed. Somebody who doesn't overcome consistently is usually, they have a negative aspect. They, they look at the future and it's not bright. They look at the future and they, they, they have gloom and doom and they have no hope. And hope energizes faith and faith receives from God. So we better work on overcoming. So these are the habits of overcoming. Number one, are you ready for a review? Primary. Without this, you have no chance of overcoming. Without number one, you have no chance of overcoming. We practice the habit of keeping God's word first in our lives. Now, you may call these nine habits Christian disciplines. These are things that a Christian, what a Christian does, he disciplines himself in these areas. These are things that I don't do once a week. These are a habit. These are something that I do on a daily basis. It's important to me. I figured out just for this, I figured out how many years I've been working out. You know, I took about five years off, but I've worked out over 30 years for an hour and a half a day, six days a week. And I figured out that's over 15,000 hours of working out. And that's being minimal. I probably have put in more than that. Well, you know, you put in 15,000 hours of working out, then it does something to your body. And people recognize you as, hey, you're fit. Hey, you work out. You know, when they say, hey, you, you used to play football, then I know I'm too fat. But, but if they say, well, are you a bodybuilder or a powerlifter? Then I know I'm doing okay. But you see, when you put in that kind of hours, there's something that happens to you that people recognize you by what you do. Because it, it does something to your body. I mean, it used to be that, 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 that my stomach was so big, I had to pee by faith, not by sight. I'm serious. When I sat around the house, I sat around the house. Dum dum. I, I was. I, I got big. I had a motorcycle accident. And I just. I just. It hurt so bad. I didn't work out. And I. I got big, man. Nobody ever asked me if I used to. Did you work out there, job of the hut? Did you work it? No. They never asked me that. When I started working out, listen. This is. This is something. The same spiritually. If you have fallen off, when you come back to it, if you put in hours with these disciplines, you'll recover quicker, much quicker than you'll ever expect. 
So listen, if you feel like you're so far behind in where you're supposed to be, don't worry. It's like muscle memory. You're going to get right back to where you were quickly, and then you're going to exceed and go farther. So number one is, is we practice the habit of keeping God's Word first in our lives. And that means our choices, our decisions, our thinking is governed by the Word of God, which means we have to know the Word of God. And to know the Word of God, I have to be in the Word of God daily, not weekly, not once a week. If this is all the Word that you're getting out of, out of the Scripture throughout the week, is this service, honey, you are not overcoming. It's impossible. Because the Word of God is our substance, it's our bread, it's, where we, it's the, the material that we construct a Christian life with. Without the Word of God, we're worshiping a God we do not know, and we make God into an image of what we want, instead of the God who has revealed Himself to us by His Word. Number two, we practice the habit of continual prayer. Don't get in your, your head an idea of I got to be on my knees. You know, back in, the, back in the holiness days, the guys that had calluses on their knees, the, the ladies that had, you know, worn parts in their dresses, they were, they were the godly ones. It's not talking about a posture. When I say we are continu- the habit of continual prayer, it means this. I, if we could put it up there. Clean, clear hearts, clean hands, and open spirits. In other words, there's nothing in here that we're struggling with. We've given it over to the Lord. Clean hands doesn't mean you're living a perfect life. It means you're living a life that repents a lot. Okay? And and, an open spirit. That means that you are like, if I were to have a conversation with God about this, I would say, God... I'm going to be listening all day for you. If you were a radio station, I'm going to have you tuned in all day. And if I start to get away from you, please put static in my ears so I can come back and listen clearly. And I want to respond. And if I get so far away that I'm not even on the station anymore, jerk the slack out of me. I'll tell God, physically arrest me. Do something to my body. If I am so stubborn and so busy that I'm missing you, grab a hold of my body and shut that sucker down if you have to. Because the most important thing for me is to be with you constantly to be led by you. That doesn't mean that I'm always talking to God, but my, con- my, my conscience, the, 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 that was my conscience, the voice, of my, the voice of my spirit is open and I'm listening. Praise the Lord. Number three, we practice the habit of self-examination by considering our ways. This is one of the most effective disciplines of the nine habits. When we say habits, guys, we're talking about every day. How many of you have the habit of brushing your teeth? Oh, God, Marcus. <laughs> How many of you have the habit of eating every day? How many of you have the habit of sleeping every day? That's what we're talking about, habit. It's part of your life. Now, the funny thing about eating and sleeping is it doesn't take discipline. But Marcus, brushing your teeth does. You, we have to make a decision. I'm going to brush my teeth. Maybe we do it this way. I'm going to brush my teeth when I get out of bed, and I'm going to brush my teeth when I go to bed. Some people brush their teeth after every meal. 
but they have a pattern. It's a discipline. Do you get it? This is a, they've developed a habit, and that's what we need to do with these. We need, to, we need to tag them along with something. When I get up in the morning, I'm going to make my, my coffee, and I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to open up my iPad to version, and I'm going to read at least, for me, five chapters. Now, this isn't, this isn't what you have to do. I make it my goal to read Romans through Jude every single month because those letters are written to us specifically. I read the rest of the Word of God throughout the year. But I read Romans through Jude at least 12 times a year. That's my goal. Because I want to know what God wants me to know. I want to live the way he's telling the New Testament church to live. So we practice the habit of self-examination by considering our ways. You are where you're at today because of the decisions you made yesterday. You keep going in the direction you're going because you've made these decisions over and over and over again. And if you don't like where you're going, then you need to consider your ways and figure out which decisions you need to change. And if you don't consider your ways, guess what? You're going to end up where, you're always been, where you've always been going. God's destination is up here, but you're going way down here. Some people are going over here, and they're not considering their ways, and they think it's, everything's okay. Life is just happening to me. But you, in the morning or in the evening, you say, God, how did today go? How did yesterday go? What would you change? Show me some scriptures that would help me guide my life to make better decisions so I could reach the point in my life that you destined me to be. Number four, we practice the habit of being missional. Everybody say being missional. Being missional means we are about the mission that Jesus has assigned the church. I could preach years on this. So many people are in the church because of what God can do for them. You'll never be at home in the church until you're, you're here to do what he wants. And what he wants done is for the lost to be saved. He wants those that are hurting to be healed. He wants those that are in bondage to be loosed. He wants his message of the gospel of grace to be preached to all nations, and then the end will come. But so many people just go to church for what church will do for them. Sweet pea, you're not going to feel like the church is your home until you get about being missional. To be missional, we must be compassionate. Not passionate, because passion comes and passion goes. But compassion drives you to do something with this feeling on the inside, this drive. And Jesus said that we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples. If you're going to be part of the church and feel like you're home and have, have a clear, come on, if you're going to have a clear conscience and you're going to be missional. Well, pastor, how do I do that? Well, if you don't know any other way, just bring people to church with you. Just bring people to church with you, especially those who aren't saved. Bring them to church, and we'll do the rest, and you'll help. Number, number five, we practice the habit of generosity. Everybody say generosity. generosity. Everybody smile. 
And keep that smile on your face no matter what I say here. Don't confuse tithing with generosity. Smile. Tithing has nothing to do with being generous. Ouch. God says in the scripture repeatedly, the tithe belongs to me. 10% of the increase of what comes into your life belongs to God. He says, no, no, no. when you start making money and everything good's good, don't forget, it's not you who did this. I'm the one who gave you the ability to get wealth. You remember me by tithing. You give back to me 10% so that your 90% can be blessed. So how can you say me giving somebody what, if I owe you $100, and I've owed it to you for five years, and I come up and I give you a $10 bill, I say, here, I just want to bless you. You're going to say, that's not a blessing. That's just a start. Where's the other 90? Right? We get to enter into generosity once we become tithers. Now, generosity is not just about giving to the church. Generosity is being simply giving substantially and liberally being others-minded. Praise the Lord. Number six, we practice the habit of attending and participating in our church community. In other words, we're all about the church. That's not our whole life, but we're about the church. I would say it this way. We are actively assisting Jesus in building his church. Jesus said, I will build the church. Unless God builds the church, we labor, we labor in vain. Here's what we think. Says so Jesus said, I'm going to build the church. We don't have to labor. No, 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 no. Ephesians chapter 4 says, I'm to prepare you to do good works, the works that he's prepared in advance, the works of the ministry. What is that? It's building the church. It's building the vision. It's causing the vision to come to pass. It's causing, it's causing the goals to happen. It's you getting involved in, in what the church is doing but what we've got is we've got this mentality in western in the western part of the hemisphere of the world that we think well we pay the pastor therefore he's to do the work that's not biblical at all the bible says that the pastors and the teachers and the evangelists and the apostles and the prophets are to prepare you to do the works of the ministry that's my job is to equip you so you could do the work and we got most of the church saying i work nine to five eight five days a week i put in my 40 hours i don't have to to work well sweet pea you're going about to be woken up today because being a christian is all about w-r-k work when we were in am i getting too excited okay i had a half cup more coffee than i'm usually do we were in bible school i remember this instructor who i really didn't like his personality at all but he he, he talked good he said how do you spell ministry he talked that way how do you spell ministry you spell ministry, W-O-R-K. And I, I took offense for about 30 seconds. And then he started to explain, and I realized, yeah, this is like only 2.5%, 3% of ministry. Getting up there singing is only like 2.5%, maybe 5% of, of ministry. It's everything that we do behind the scenes. No, we don't expect you to do 40 hours of work. God doesn't expect that, but he does expect you to put labor into building the church. Can I get an amen? Can I get a smile? Praise the Lord. So we are actively assisting Jesus in building his church. Number seven, we practice the habit of serving. 
Everybody say serving. We live in a society where we drive up to uh, a, a, a billboard-looking thing and we, we expect them to say, how can I serve you immediately? And if they don't, we get a little perturbed. And if they say, can you wait a minute, we get really perturbed. And if they don't serve us the way we want to, we get extra perturbed. Because we are in a society that we want to be served. We are to be the servants. We're not only to serve the vision and the purpose of the church, we're to serve others. Praise the Lord. Number eight, we practice the habit of gratitude. Everybody say gratitude. I'll make this real simple. You know you're practicing the habit of gratitude if thank you is coming out of your mouth multiple times throughout the day. I, I, I told you, the, you told you the story a couple weeks ago that for five years, maybe even longer, I could not bend over. I mean, it, it hurt. Sometimes if I carried a Walmart bag, one little Walmart bag, if I carried it in front of me like this, I'd be sore for three or four days. And, and so I got in this habit that, that I, would, I would drop something. Oh, crap. And, but don't, don't do it. That's what I would do. I would wait for somebody to pick it up. I'd drop it and I'd... You're supposed to be my helpmate. That's what I would do. But after surgery and a lot of therapy and, and whatnot, I can bend over and pick it up. And every time I do, I say, thank you, God, that I can bend over. Thank you, God. I'm never going to forget. I'm never going to forget. And how am I not going to forget? I'm going to thank him. Every time I see somebody falling into a sin that had me in the past, I say, thank you, God, that could have been me. Thank you for delivering me. Every time I see something get taken care of that I was worried about, thank you, God, for provision. Thank you, God, for blessing. And you know what really makes it real? Thank you for doing praise and worship this morning. Thank you for taking up the offering. Thank you for everything that you do throughout the week to make this happen. It's thanking others. We practice the habit of gratitude. Number nine, we practice the habit of producing joy. Everybody say producing joy. We tend to think that means that we are happy. Uh, happiness is based in circumstances, situations. You could remember that like this. Happiness is based in happenings. So you're either going to be happy or you're not based on what's going on. But joy is based in Jesus and what he has done. So it shouldn't change. It's not that we are joyful. We produce joy. We create joy and we manifest joy. In other words, if you walk into a room where everybody's down, you don't have to be the gesture, but you walk into a dark room and light comes. You walk into a sad room and happiness enters into the room and it begins to change. The darker it is, the lighter and the brighter you'll be. Because you have someone on the inside of you you have something on the inside of you that brings the answer, that brings light, that brings joy, that brings peace. 
You are to produce it around you. Not that you, here's what we do. Christians are so selfish. We are so selfish. Humanity, we're so selfish. I want to be joyful, but this hadn't happened and that hadn't happened. And, you know, I don't see anything. Well, you're never going to be joyful that way. You become joyful by producing joy in the hearts and the lives and the atmosphere of other people. Salvation is an entry point into, when we pray that prayer, that's, that's, that's an entry point into salvation. It is not the destination. To get to the destination, which is what? It's, it's to be with God. It's heaven, right? To get there, we need to practice the nine habits of an overcoming follower of Christ. To get there and to be an overcomer, we have to put discipline in our life. And we don't like that word because we've preached about grace so much that we think that we could live any old way and God has to accept us. I'm sorry, it's not the way it works. He never changes. We do. Our customs, our culture, our ethics change, but, but a biblical morality never changes. God does not change. We cannot condone what he condemns. We, we have to conform to how he has revealed himself to us, and that is through the word of God. Are you with me? Yeah. Praise the Lord. So the number one thing that we have to do to get to this destination, you may call it the Christian disciplines, I'm going to call it work. Everybody say work. How do you spell work? W-O-R-K. Work insinuates toil. Work insinuates exertion. Work insinuates effort. Work insinuates labor. But so many Christians, they want heaven without work. They want prosperity without toil. Come on. They, they, they want to become wealthy and blessed without effort. That's not the gospel at all. Let, let, let's go to what Jesus said. We'll start at this point. John chapter 5, verse 3. Jesus said, in fact, this is love for God. To keep his commands. And his commands aren't burdensome. Why? For everyone born of God overcomes the world. Why? This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Our number one work to be an overcomer follower of Jesus Christ is to believe. Everybody say believe. I didn't say it's the only one. There are many preachers who are saying that's the only one. To believe is not enough. If you only believe, it's only internal. It needs to become external to produce anything in your life. So our number one work, everybody say work is to believe. Our number one work, come on, is to 
believe? What are we to believe? That Jesus is the Son of God. John 6, 28. The, the disciples asked him, what must we do to do the work that God requires? He says, the work of God is this, is to believe in the one he sends. Why do you think the word has got to be number one in our life? Because it, that's so crazy. Okay. Because it, it shores up, it strengthens, it fortifies our belief. We are forgetful hearers. Not forget, it's not that we heard the word of God. We need to hear the word of God. We need to be partakers of the word of God. Not having gone through it once. We need to, we need to be studiers of the word of God. Because it's our spiritual bread. It's the substance, that, the material that we build our Christian life out of. And without it, we're going to stop believing the way that we should. It'll begin with doubt. And that'll produce a lack of importance, which will produce a lack of effort, which will produce a lack of discipline, which will produce a wayward Christian, which will produce somebody who's going to possibly be entering the gates of hell. John 6, 28, Jesus said, the work is this, is to believe in the one he has sent. And let's call that an inward work. Yes, it's required. You can't get to heaven without faith. Faith is a belief. It's a conviction. It's a persuasion. It's what, you, what, you're, what you're firmly convinced of. And you can change that in your life by, by the information that you feed yourself. You can build doubt or you can build faith. You need faith to enter into the kingdom of God. But Philippians 2.12 talks about the outward work. He says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, work, W-O-R-K, out your salvation with fear and trembling. I thought I got saved when I prayed and I thought that's all I had to do. Sorry, you got to follow that up with some action. You can't give your heart to Jesus at the altar and believe it with everything and then go live out, live in the world like a whoremonger. That's an old word I used to hear in church. I think that means slut. You can't go out there and live like a pimp. You can't give your heart to Jesus and then keep stealing and expect that you're going to go to heaven. The Word of God says that the kingdom of God, those who practice those things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that particular scripture was written to the church. Yeah, I don't like it. Well, I'd rather, I'd rather tell you the truth and you'd be uncomfortable than you get up there and expect to go up and, and the button goes and you shh, down a swirly slide down to the bottom. I'd rather you know now. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Listen to this. For it is by grace that you are saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It's a gift from God. And not by works of the hands, so no one can boast. So we say grace is God's side, right? We can't do anything about grace. Grace is unmerited favor. He get, it's the way he loves you. He approaches you. His, his posture of receiving you. So we're saved by grace through faith. That's the believing part. That's the inward part. Got it? And, and, then, and then it says, not by, you're not saved by what you do. You prove your salvation by what you do. 
You make your salvation complete by what you do. Because if, you, if your actions don't line up with your confession and your belief, then you're just simply a what? It starts with, it rhymes with an animal. Uh, not an elephant, a what? Hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. If your actions don't line up with what you believe and what you say, then you're simply a hypocrite, right? Okay, okay, so that's a strong word, but it's just factual. He says, it's not by works so that no one can boast, but hold on. Here's the other side of the equation. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus with a purpose. To do good works which he prepared in advance for us to do. So if we don't do the other side of the equation, then it is incomplete. Anybody take algebra? Anybody take algebra? I hated algebra. I, I still hate algebra. But, okay, you have X plus Y equals C plus D. Oh, oh I don't have any. I got to have a number in there somewhere. Okay. Grace plus faith equals salvation plus good works. That's the equation. So I'm not going to be operating as a Christian is supposed to if I'm not operating on the backside of the equation. It's not complete. It doesn't even make sense. It's not balanced. God's part is grace. Now we, we put the inward work, which is faith. Then we put good works on the other side. And we receive salvation, which is the blessing of God. Got it? Grace plus faith equals good works plus salvation. Okay, praise the Lord. That's good. That's really good. Grace is on his side of the equation. Faith is on, on ours. What, what does that mean here? We, okay, if we're going to have faith, let, let's say that, that you're of that pre, you're of that, you're deceived. Let's say you're deceived. And you swallowed this doctrine that you believe that I'm saved by grace only. I only want, we had a lady leave the church. If you're watching, listen up, sweet pea. She said, I only want to hear about grace. I don't want to hear anything else but the grace of Jesus. I, I can't, God is all about grace. I'm going to listen to this guy who's from, from the Philippines because he only teaches grace. Well, honey, you better shore it up. Because grace alone won't get you there. If grace alone would get you there, then everybody in the earth would be going to heaven. And that's called universalism. I don't have to acknowledge Jesus as Lord. See, I believe in my heart, that's the inward work. I acknowledge him as Lord, that's the outward work. And I back it up with what I do. James chapter 2 says, you, honey, you listening? You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds, without works, is useless? Go to verse 24. Turn to James 2.24, sweet pea. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, not by faith alone. Oh, well, there goes your theory. James 2.26. See, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. It's ineffective. 
I believe, but that belief isn't strong enough to change what I do. Therefore, it has no effect in my life. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. Well, good for you. The devil believes that too. At least he has an action. He shudders, the Bible says. He shakes and trembles in fear. We believe that he died on the cross. Now we're going to live for him. Because we believe God raised him from the dead. And that will free us from the sentence of death. See, grace is on his side of the equation. Faith is on ours, but faith is incomplete without works. Our work is to believe. Yes, that's the inward part. But the outward part is to fulfill his commands. And our faith in Jesus, which is strengthened by the word, increases the strength of our work. It enables us from the inside out to practice the nine habits. You don't have to do those alone. Melissa hit on that this morning. You don't have to do those alone. Yes, it requires discipline. God will never ask you to do something that he won't strengthen you to do. God will never ask you to do something that he won't give you the provision to do it. Here's where we get messed up. We think because God asked us to do it, the provision and the strength have to come before we do it. The truth is, most times with God, it comes while you do it. Because you believe and then you step out in faith and out there is where the provision comes. Out there is where the, the strength comes. You'll always, have you ever gone to the gym? How many people have work out on a regular basis? Because see, Have you ever gone to the gym and you didn't want to? And those are the days when you press in, you get the most. You're like, wow, I feel great. I'm so glad I came. Have you ever woke up on a Sunday and said, I don't want to go to church. I hate church. I don't like, I, I said that this morning. No, I didn't. I, I don't want to go to church. And you come to church and you struggle to get here, buddy, if the message was intended just for you. See, see, God provides in the process, not in the decision. The decision is the entry point. God provides the strength and the blessing and the healing, come on, and the protection as we walk these things out, as we begin to practice these nine habits, as we do the work of the ministry. Praise the Lord. This is good preaching. John chapter 4, verse 4. Are you ready? First John chapter 4, verse 4. You dear children. Now, I want you to know if you read this, you'd find out these guys are practicing the habits. He's actually... He's actually in this letter, he's talking to his disciples. He's telling them what they're doing good, and he's telling them what they need to correct. Well, I don't like correction when you're in the wrong religion. God disciplines those who he loves. But hold on. You remember when I said don't confuse generosity with tithing and tithing with generosity? Don't confuse punishment with discipline. Punishment is the smack on the butt that I, that the, the, the big paddle thing that when I was a kid, we either had to go to detention or we got it on the butt. Woo, did it hurt. I'm telling you what, when, when my principal would hit, when he'd bring that thing back, I mean, he'd bring it back with both hands and then he'd get a little whoosh and it would hit and, and every, I would see stars from my butt and sometimes I would release gas, it hit so hard. And then he hit you harder when you did that. But it was either that or I missed football practice. So I, we took the swats because if you missed football practice, you had to go through the meat grinder, and that was worse. That's punishment. Discipline is 
you know, it would be better if you did this instead of that. Okay, let's talk about the decision you made a couple weeks ago. Dumb. Bad. You've got to make these decisions in advance. You've got to think it through. You've got, you're planning to fail because you don't have a plan to succeed. That's discipline. Here's discipline. Don't do that again. You're a leader in the church, and if you do it again, we're going to have to rebuke you publicly. <gasps> Punishment is a swat on the butt. Punishment is having to pay the fine. Punishment is the judgment that is final. Are you hearing me? Discipline is corrective and it's beneficial. And most of the church is stuck in infancy because it doesn't want to receive the discipline of a child. And we should be at the point that we're, we're receiving the discipline of a mature adult in Christ. Oh God, I hope somebody comes back next week. <laughs> But you, dear children, you, you're, you, you're from God. And you have overcome them. The world he's talking about in this letter. He's talking about the world. He's talking about the enemies. He's talking about the persecution. You have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. So, so he puts this thing in you to give you the ability to overcome, to do the things that we call discipline and work. But, you know, unfortunately, it's not there when you begin. It's there as you do it and as you learn to draw on it, doing it not just by flesh, but empowering your flesh with the spirit that he put within you. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, and we, we overcomers, we know that all things, all things, God will work for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. You love that scripture? Something bad happens to you. God can take it and turn it around for your good. Somebody takes something from you. God somehow will make it better as if it, you, you never had it taken, but you got, you'll increase it. God will always take what happens to you that is bad and he will turn it around for your good if... For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. That we're called according to his purpose. We're walking according to his purpose. We're, we're in his will. So many times followers of Christ say they're following Christ, but they're following their own will. They're not following Jesus. They're not following the Holy Spirit. Instead of getting, get, I, just, I just spent an hour and a half with a guy at the gym yesterday. Wonderful guy. And, and if you're watching, Frank, is, is, yes, this is you. So he, he was, he's 29 years old and he's struggling. He's struggling with the church in his head. He's struggling with, with, with his job. He's, he's got these decisions to make. And, and he says, I think I, I want to do this. I think I want to go there. But, you know, I, I've been asked to serve, uh, to become a pastoral staff at, at my church. And, and, but I, but I, I want to do this. I want to start a foundation. I, I, I want to start a nonprofit. All good things. And I listened for half an hour and I said, Frank, I think the most important thing you could do right now is find out how God designed you and find out what his purpose for your life is. Because everything that you want, everything that you desire is going to be within his purpose. 
The scripture says, Frank, delight yourself in the Lord to give you the desires of your heart. That's what I believed when I was 29. He was going to give me whatever I wanted. But at my age now, I, I understand that when God recreated me in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared in advance, he put a desire in my heart that matches that purpose. And when I fulfill that purpose, I am so satisfied. I said, I think what you need to do is, the first thing you need to do is ask God and, and listen. Am I called to ministry or am I called to a vocation? Or am I called to a combination? But I think that's what you're struggling with. Find your purpose. I said, maybe the most important thing that you could do, Frank, right now, the most important thing that, that maybe as Christians we are to do is to discover the good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. So we can do them. And we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose. What shall we say, verse 31, in response to this? If God is, if God is really for us, then who can be against us? You understand that these wonderful promises are not based for, they're not, they're not, you just can't take them and live any old way you want to. But when you're living your life for the purpose that the Lord has created you, these promises are yours. He says, no, in all things we are more than conquerors through the Lord, through him who loved us. For I'm convinced of this, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, in his purpose, called according to his purpose, created good works for us to do in advance. His purpose. See, our faith strengthens us and enables us to tap into God's power that is within our spirit now so that we can work, we can do the works of our faith this side of heaven. Our faith strengthens us and enables us to tap into God's power that is within us so that we can do the work of our faith this side of heaven. You can call these habits disciplines if you want. You can call them works. These habits are important. The nine essential habits of an overcoming follower of Christ. Keeping God... Keeping God's word first, being continually in prayer, considering our ways, being missional, being generous, attending and participating in the vision of the church, serving one another, practicing gratitude, and producing joy. One last scripture, Revelations chapter 3. Don't let this scripture go by without letting it sink into your heart. As many, this is Jesus speaking. As many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. 
Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and him with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my father's throne as I also have overcome and sat down on my father's throne. To him who overcomes. We're not talking about a positive attitude, although that that comes with this. We're not talking about a, a, a good confession, although that comes with this. We're talking about disciplines and habits and works that should be a part of every Christian's life. And, and, and the purpose of these things is so that it will strengthen your faith, enabling you to draw upon the power that raised Jesus from the dead to do them. And when we do them with his power, when we, when we worship him in spirit and truth, not by flesh, not by power, but by his spirit, when we work by his spirit and the power of it, fulfillment and contentment and peace and joy and faith grow in our lives this side of heaven so what's the picture look like for somebody who doesn't practice these they say things like i i just can't wait to go and be with jesus Life is so hard. I just can't keep doing this. Life is so difficult. I feel alone even though I'm I'm supposedly a Christian. I ask God and I don't get the answers. I seek him and I don't find him. I knock and he never opens the door. And the same one who is inside of that person because of their faith is inside of me and inside of you. But when we practice these nine habits, when we're aware of them and we're continually making adjustments in our life to to get better and better at them, then we step into an overcoming life. See, see, the one who's defeated is waiting to die to become an overcomer. But it's pretty plain in the scripture that the one who doesn't overcome may not even get to the place we call heaven. Would you bow your head with me this morning? Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word this morning. We thank you for faith that is rising up inside of our heart. Calls these nine habits not to be big and ominous, but calls them to be broken down into bite-sized pieces for each and every one of us. We thank you, Jesus, for your word, and we thank you for life.